Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church. of God to come into his house to worship and to meet him. We begin with come, now's the time to worship. Ready? Come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. Come just as you are before your God. Come one day. One day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. All right, sing that again. You've heard it now. Sing it with me. Come, now is the time to worship. Come, just as you are to with your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. Come, just as you are before your God. Come, sing that now. One day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Sacrifices of thanksgiving, and we offer up to you the sacrifices of joy. Sing that one again. Come on. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you <coughs> sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of joy. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. 
I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Sing. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels pound before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Come on, sing it out now. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we Thank you. 
sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when they
princes and paupers, sons and daughters, kneel at the throne of grace. Losers and winners, saints and sinners, one day we'll see his face. And we Kings will surrender their crowns and worship Jesus, for he is the love, unfailing love, yes, he is the Summer and winter, the mountains and the rivers whisper the Savior's name. Awesome and holy, a friend of the lonely, forever his love will reign. And we surrender their crowns and worship Jesus for he is the love unfailing love yes he is the love of God he's the light of Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message.
Amen. Thank you, Brother Rockney. What a wonderful reminder. We're created to worship. That's what our whole life is about, bowing down to him, recognizing that he is the reason for all that we do. If you will, again this morning, turn with me as we go through Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and we're going to finish up chapter 2 this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, starting there in verse 19 and going through verse 22 this morning as we looked at the subject of we, the holy temple of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, it has been a great day of worship already as we have lifted up our hearts and our voices to you, as we've spent time in prayer, as we've had the opportunity to give as an act of worship. And now as we enter into your word, Lord, Lord, continue to stir our hearts, stir us that we would recognize that, Lord, we cannot stay the way that we are. We must continue to follow you. We must continue to make the changes that allow us to be more and more like your precious son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I, I pray today that we would recognize Uh, who we truly are as children of God. Lord, that we are more than just uh, a family. We are more than just a a holy nation. We are more than just a a building in you. But Lord, we are the very temple. Uh, Lord, that we we are those who who have the living God dwelling within us. And what an amazing truth that that is. What an amazing truth to know not only are you alive and not only do you reign, but the Holy Spirit of God lives within us. And Lord, I know that I have some friends here today, and they don't yet know you in that way. They don't yet know you as Savior and as Lord. They don't yet have you dwelling within them. Lord, I pray that as we go through this passage of Scripture, that they would recognize that they, too, are a sinner. And they, too, are in this great need of salvation, this great need of forgiveness from the one who died for their sins. And Lord, that we would see them turn to you and we would see salvation in this place today. I know I'm a very weak vessel, Lord, so hide me behind the cross so only you'd be seen. And only you you would be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We ask the question, who are we? Who are we? And people would answer that question in a variety of different ways. When you ask someone who they are, some people will answer with the occupation, the place that they go to work at each and every day. Some people will answer that question by maybe saying, I'm a mom, I'm a dad, I'm, I'm Daniel's dad, I'm Levi's dad, I'm... Liz Kate's dad, some people would answer that maybe in, their, in what they enjoy doing or whatever else that it may be. But when we ask that question, who are we? It's really a spiritual question. And in our natural condition, we were lost sinners and we were headed to a devil's hell. But so were the Jews. You see, they might have had the law of God, but they did not know the God behind the law. Both the Jew and the Gentile are born lost. And so, in Jesus, Paul tells us that we have been reconciled one to another and to God in Jesus. Jesus broke down that wall that separated the Jew and the Gentile. But even more importantly, he broke down that wall that separated the lost sinner from a holy, holy, holy God. And when Jesus died on that cross, he opened the door of salvation to all who would believe, whether they be Jew or Gentile. And so having told us how God saved us and how he brought us together in Jesus, Paul now moves to describe our relationship to God as we, the holy temple of God. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Let's begin there in verse 19 of Ephesians 2. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. 
and are built unto the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth in the holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an inhabitation of God through the Spirit. You may be seated. The first thing I want you to see here is the metaphor that Paul uses. And of course, a metaphor is a figure of speech in which one thing is laid up and against another thing in order to make a comparison between the two. And so Jesus was the master at metaphor. Some examples of, of him using this literary device are, th- are seen throughout the Gospels. He says, ye are the salt of the earth. He says, ye are the light of the world. He says, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. He uses these metaphors. And in this passage, Paul uses three metaphors to describe who the children of God are. And these metaphors are important because they magnify our relationship with the Lord. And so let's examine these precious metaphors together for just a few moments. The first is seen there in verse 19, the second part of verse 19. And it's the metaphor of a belonging. Paul uses the phrase, now therefore, That means consequently or because of this. And this immediately draws our attention back to the preceding verses. This first part of this chapter serves to remind us of who we were before we met Jesus Christ. And he tells us that we were dead. We lived to serve the flesh. We lived to serve the devil. We were wicked to the core. We were outcasts from God, from his promises, and from his people. We were a people who were in a deplorable condition. We were lost in our sins. We were separated from God. And we were literally doomed. And we were headed to hell. Now Paul tells us that we are no more strangers and foreigners. Now, the word stranger refers to those who are not of one's family. The word foreigner speaks to those who are sojourners in a country that is not their own. We might use the idea of, of an alien, uh, of an alien in a country, someone who that is not their, their home nation. So those two words accurately describe who we were before we were saved by the grace of God. And so as strangers, we were always on the outside looking in. I wonder, Brinesburg, have you ever been a stranger? Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like a stranger in the environment that you were placed into? Have you ever been in a place where you knew no one and no one knew you? Maybe you went to a new school. Maybe you had to take a new job. Maybe you had to move into a new neighborhood or into an entire new town or state. But that makes us know what it feels like to be a stranger. I know what it feels like to be a stranger. Whenever I was in elementary school, uh, there came a, a time when it was necessary for me to move schools. And I lived over in Murray, I lived in Callaway County, and I had to move from North Callaway County Elementary to Southwest Callaway County Elementary School. Now, that's not a big move in distance, but boy, was it a big move when I didn't know anybody. And so going from a fourth grader to a fifth grader, I was going into that school where everybody had had all of elementary to make friends, and I walked in and knew no one. I felt like a stranger. I was a stranger my first semester in seminary, and boy, did I feel it. I looked around, and all these guys knew each other, and they seemed like they knew what they were talking about when they opened up these books and used these words that I can't even pronounce. I felt like a stranger in that situation. 
And even when I think about the churches that I've served in, when, and many of you know, when you go into a new church, there's a feeling sometimes that I'm a stranger here. Everybody else knows each other. And so our, our first church in, in Frankfurt, we felt a little bit like strangers for a while. And if you've ever been to that part of the state, they're not exactly like us and we're not like them. And, and so uh, I felt a little bit like a stranger then. Even when we moved back to Paducah, it was more of our you know, home, but it wasn't a place where we knew a whole lot of people. And so there were times when I felt like a stranger. Even moving here to Brinesburg, I felt like a stranger for a while because all you people are related to each other. Um, I, did, I, I didn't have blood relations, so I wasn't sure exactly how I fit in for a while. But now I have kids and you completely have adopted us in. But uh, there's, a, there's a feeling at times of what it feels like to be a stranger. Strangers are those people with whom we cannot have fellowship. We tell our kids, don't talk to strangers, and that's for a reason. When we are young, we're, we're told never to speak to, it, to anyone that we don't know. Strangers are the people that we don't invite back to the house. Strangers are the kind of people that we are weary of, or that we're suspicious of. We know what it feels like to be a stranger. We know the feeling both as people in this world as well as from being strangers from God. We all know what it feels like to be a stranger from God. We know what it was like to go to God's house and, and not to fit in because we didn't have that relationship with him. We know what it's like to, to be a, a person estranged from, from God. We know what it means to be a stranger. So Paul speaks in those terms, but then also a foreigner. As foreigners, we're in a place in which we do not belong. We're in a country that is not our own. We are separated from others by culture and by language and by nationality. Those of you who have traveled with us on overseas mission trips, you know what it's like to be a foreigner in another nation. We were in Brazil just last month, and we would try to do some shopping in the city when we went back to Manaus. And there was a clear language barrier there. It was easy to see that we were foreigners. They would, you know, ask us the simplest question, and I didn't know what to answer. It's, it's weird being a foreigner. Most of, of Brazil is Roman Catholic, and the priest made it very clear that we were not welcome in the villages uh, many times. And so we would have to go to different places because they let us know that we were foreigners. We would try and play simple games like duck, duck, goose. And the language barrier was a bit of an issue. I thought I was good at duck, duck, goose, but I'm not very good at Portuguese duck, duck, goose. Apparently, I was not saying it correctly. In Brazil, I was a foreigner. I was a stranger. I was ignorant of their speech and their customs much of the time and, and much of just their way of life. It was different, and I felt what it was to be a foreigner. A foreigner does not have the same rights as citizens of a country that he's visiting they are citizens, and so they enjoy rights and privileges of citizenship, but a foreigner has none of those rights. A foreigner travels on a passport, and he is allowed to remain in that country only by the permission of the government, and he can be deported anytime they choose for any reason they choose. A foreigner may know more about a host country than a, than a stranger, but he is limited in what he can do. And so Paul tells us that a spiritual sense that we were strangers, that we were foreigners. And when it came to God, that we were strangers. We were ignorant of him on all accounts of what he could give us. We didn't understand. We were on the outside and we were looking in at the blessings of God, not understanding that those very things could be ours. <clears throat> we were as foreigners there. That is that we were around the things of God, 
but we did not understand the things of God. We could read the Bible, we could go to church, we could sing the songs, but we had no saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and thus, we were not full citizens of that kingdom. We had no spiritual rights, we had no spiritual standing with him. But now, because God, through Jesus Christ, has reached out to us and has taken us in, we are now fellow citizens with the saints. And so that means that we have changed our citizenship. We are now members of a new kingdom. We are no longer strangers and foreigners, but now we are in the family and we have come home. And because we are citizens of the United States of America, we have some of the privileges, the rights, and also the responsibilities that come with belonging to this country. And those who do not belong to this country do not enjoy those same privileges and rights, but they also don't have those same responsibilities. And so as citizens of this country, we are under the protection of our government. As citizens, we are under the authority of our government. As citizens, we get to vote for our leaders, but we also must pay our taxes. And so there are privileges, there's rights, and there's also responsibilities. Because we have been saved by grace, we have been brought into a new kingdom. And we now have a new national anthem of amazing grace. We march under a new flag, which is the blood-stained banner of Calvary. And because we are citizens of God's kingdom, we are brought under his protection and we are under his authority. As citizens, we are no longer ignorant of God. His blessings are what he can do for us. And when they preach about him, when they talk about him, when we sing about him and testify about him, I know what they're talking about now because I am presently a part of that kingdom. I'm a citizen. I'm a member of the family. As citizens, we are no longer without rights and without standing. As citizens, we cannot be deported. As citizens, we no longer are separated from God. As citizens, we are on equal footing with the rest of the saints. As citizens, we even have access to the king himself. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, we no longer live on a passport. We have a birth certificate. We really do belong. And we do. As citizens of the kingdom of God, as children of the king, we really do belong. But also we see the metaphor of a birth there in the third part of verse 19. Not only are we fellow citizens, but we are also of the household of God. Of the household of God. <clears throat> this means that we are not merely citizens of God's kingdom, but we are also members of God's family. When we are saved by the grace of God, we are born again. We were adopted out of Adam and in to Christ. This is far more intimate relationship than merely being a citizen of a country because as a citizen I know about the king and, and I might be able to meet the king but as a son I personally know the king. The story is told of a king who was holding court in his throne room and his counselors and advisors and noblemen and the ministers of the state they were all there and then suddenly there was a loud banging at the door and hearing the clatter, all the heads turned in that direction. And immediately the door burst open and in ran a little boy. And one of the royal guards tried to stop the boy and he said, Here now, boy, don't you know that you're interrupting the counsel of the king? 
And that little boy kept running towards the king and he replied, he's your king, but he's my daddy. And he jumped into his lap and his daddy, the king, embraced him. You see, as God's children, we outrank anyone else in the kingdom because we are sons and daughters of the king. That gives us some special privileges. We have access to our father at all times, for we are his sons and daughters, and he will never turn us away. And that's why John marveled in 1 John 3, 1, about the exalted position enjoyed by those who know Jesus. He says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. God is our daddy. He loves us. He desires to embrace us as only a daddy can. Isn't that amazing? That the God of the universe desires that kind of intimate relationship with us. What an amazing thing grace truly is. Since we are his children... He has our best interest at heart. So what touches you touches him. We know that he tells us that he will take care of our every need. But we also see in verses 20 through 22 the metaphor of a building. Not only are we in the kingdom and in the family, but we are also part of his building. And so the image of a building is just another way of describing the body of Christ of which all redeemed are a part. You see, because as citizens, we share a common country. And as children, we share a common bloodline. But as part of a building, we share an indivisible unity both to God and to one another. You see, the citizens of a, of a kingdom, they can be divided. Just look at, a, at our country. Just look at America today. We share common citizenship with every other American but there is a vast separation in our nation on all kinds of issues. It would hard, be hard to say that we are truly a united nation. But in a building, there is no separation at all. Rather, there is absolute unity. The members of a family may be separated by distance or by circumstances. In fact, I have relatives that live in other states. And I have to say that just because of, you know, time and, and what happens in our lives, there's many of them that there will be years that will go by and I may not see them and I may not have, a, have an opportunity to, to talk with them because we just don't live close. Yes, we're related by blood, but we don't spend that much time together. Members of a family may be separated, but we see that in a building, there is no separation. There's no separ separation between those stones. They are brought together by the will of the builder and they're put in their place and there they stay. And so one stone on top of another, one stone beside another, inseparable, brought together as part of the same building. And so they either stay together or the whole building will fall. So Paul tells us that we are not strangers, we are not foreigners any longer in Christ. We are citizens of the same kingdom, but more than that, we are members of the same, of the same family. But even more than that, we are components of the same building, standing together in him with a closeness that is permanent, powerful, and precious. Some parts of this building are Jews. Some parts are Gentiles. I came from one place. You came from another. We have different pasts. We have different abilities. We have different interests. We have different ways of doing things. And yet in spite of all the differences that we have been brought together in Jesus Christ, and we have been given a unity in him that is stronger than even blood itself. We have been given a unity that will outlast time itself. 
Kingdoms will fall. Families will die out. But the building of God, the building with stones like us, will stand forever as a testimony to his glory, to his grace, to his power, and to his honor. These are the metaphors that Paul uses. But secondly, I want you to see the message that Paul shares. There is a message of salvation here. The phrase, are not more, or no more, reminds us that who we are and what we have in Jesus Christ is ours because of God's grace in salvation. And so we are in the kingdom, we are in the family, and we are part of the building because God, in his grace, reached down to worthless lost sinners like us, and he drew us to himself, and he saved us by his amazing grace. We did not deserve what we have in him. We didn't earn it. We, we didn't earn what we have in Christ. Everything we have and are in Jesus Christ is through the grace of God, not through anything that we've done on our own. Paul's message is a message of salvation and a message of new beginnings. It's a message of the powerful change that Jesus Christ makes in every life that he touches. Thank God that we are changed. But also, there is a message of security. There's a message of security. Verse 20 speaks of our security. that We are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That is, our hope, our faith, our salvation stands sure on the, on the foundation of the word of God. These men that he speaks of, the apostles and the prophets, they received the word from God and they shared it with their generation. People heard it, they believed it, and they were saved. And so then they took that same message that they had been given and they built upon it by sharing that exact same message with the next generation. And so the building has been built year after year, generation after generation. How? By the message of the apostles and the prophets being handed down year by year, generation by generation. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm doing my very best to be true to the accurate doctrine of the gospel that we find here in the Bible, of what Jesus Christ has handed to us. Some hear the preaching and they will believe, and therefore another generation is added to this building. Our security is also derived from the chief cornerstone. Many of you understand that concept of cornerstone because you've built things. The cornerstone was the most important component of ancient buildings. It had to be strong enough to support the building that would rise from it. It also had to be properly placed since every other part of the building would be measured by that cornerstone. And so if the building was to be square, if it was to be plumb, that cornerstone had to be absolutely perfect. The cornerstone was to support the reference, the unifier of the entire building that would be built. And so if it had to be exactly right, the whole building would, would, would be right. But if it was out of, of line, if it was not plumb, then the entire building would be out of square, out of plumb, and likely to fall. And so Jesus Christ is to the church what the cornerstone is to a building. He is that absolutely essential component. If we are to, to be wrong when it comes to him, then everything that we build upon that wrong teaching will be faulty. It will be a foundation that will crumble and fall. But if we get the facts right concerning Jesus Christ, if we get him correctly and we understand what he has taught us, then we will understand who he is and what he did so that the church could come into existence. Everything that we build on him will be strong, it will be stable, and it will be enduring for eternity. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave us his, this message 
the message of, of the fact that Jesus came, that he died on the cross, that he gave his life for us to redeem his bride, the church, and then he rose again on the third day. The apostles and the prophets took that message to the next generation and they began to build up and out from the perfect cornerstone. And now generation after generation has been added to the building and it's still straight, it's still true, it's still strong even today. The cornerstone that stands under the church is able to support the load that is being built upon him. He was properly placed and every stone that has been added to this building is as straight and as true as he is. There is no blemish, there is no spot in the church. He is building something perfect. It is a perfect structure that reflects his character, his grace, and his power. But also we see that there is a message of success here. We're not responsible for building this building of God. He is doing the building. If we were, we would be doomed to failure because we don't build things that are perfect, but God always does. Verse 21 makes it clear that someone is doing this building. He says that it's fitly framed together, and that's in the passive voice. It means that another is building the building, and this one who is building it is Christ, and he's adding stone upon stone to build his temple for his glory. And like a master mason, he chooses the stone one by one and places them exactly where he wants each and every one of them to be. And so our duty is to keep ourselves pure and to continue telling each successive generation about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if we stop, there is no other way for this building to be built. He takes his stones, some from here and some from there, but he is always building his perfect temple. The word groweth is in the present tense. It means that the building is always growing. God is ever building his building. And so we may not see any stone added to the temple this morning. But somewhere the Lord has added a stone to this building today. Many stones, I'm sure. He's reached out and into the quarry and he's selected some to make a part of his building perfectly. And that's why we must never become discouraged in our work for him. The success of the church is not in our hands. It's in his hands. We must trust him that he will properly build that which pleases him and simply be obedient to his call. But then thirdly and lastly, I want you to see the miracle Paul describes here. The miracle Paul describes in this building that God in his grace is constructing. I see a few miracles that we don't want to miss. The first is the miracle of our redemption. I've already alluded to this, but stones do not choose to be part of a building themselves. The building chooses, the builder, the master builder chooses them. And then the builder looks at the stone and, and he will use those that he desires. And so the miracle of our redemption lies in the fact that we should still be in that quarry. There's nothing in us that, that would cause God to say, I'm going to use you because I just can't, I can't do without you. No, it's because of his grace. We don't save ourselves. God and his grace and for his own reasons reaches down to us and he, he brought us to himself and he saves us from our sins and he puts us in the building. And I don't know why he sets his love upon us, but he does. He loves us so much that he, he died for our sins. I don't know why he, he chooses for us to be part of his body, but he has. I don't know why Jesus died on the cross, why he would be willing to shed his blood the way that he did. But I know this, I don't have to understand it in order to rejoice in it. To rejoice that he chose to save me even though I didn't deserve it. I thank God for the miracle of redemption. And each and every one of us here this morning who have that relationship with Christ should praise him for the work that he has done in us. But then 
Also, we see the miracle of rehabilitation. When the builder reaches out and he picks up a stone, he had to shape that stone to fit it into place for the exact place that he had picked for it to go. And so the builder would take his hammer and he would begin to chip away at that stone, reshaping that stone until it was just right and would fit in the exact spot that he had designed for it. And then he would put it in to its place. When God came to us and he saved us by his grace, I think all of us would admit we were a real mess. None of us looked real perfect when God came for us. Since that moment, though, he has been in the process of chipping away all the things that he does not want, reshaping us into his image. His ultimate goal is is that we become like his son, Jesus Christ. The chipping process is not a pleasant one. Many of us can attest to that. But the end result will be worth all the pain as we look like our Savior, Jesus Christ. Every setback, every frustration, every minor annoyance along the way, all those things, good and pleasant, are all part of God's building process. He takes us like he finds us, and then he remakes us into his image. He is building a holy temple. He is not building a pile of dirty, misplaced stones. No, he is building a beautiful temple, and it's called the church. And when that building is complete, every stone will be in its place and every one of them will look like they belong in the building. He is a wonderful rehabilitator. But also we see the miracle in his residence. According to verse 22, we are building together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. The real miracle in all this is that when we're saved, we become not just stones, but we become living stones. We're not dead rocks, but we're made alive in Jesus, and we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. He comes to live within us. That word habitation refers to the permanent dwelling. He comes into our lives, and he transforms us into a holy temple. He also takes us as individuals, and he makes us a part of a larger spiritual temple that he is He's building in this world. I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thus, I am the temple in which he dwells. But I'm also a living stone in the church, in the body of Christ. And as such, I'm unified with every other believer as a part of the holy temple to the glory of God. And so God builds up his church out of the dead stones of this world so that he might bring us to life as a living testimony to his power and to his glory. And so He reveals his grace and power to a lost and dying world by placing these living stones like you and me into his temple. That, Brinesburg, is a miracle. That's something that only God can do. Notice that we are called a holy temple, though. A holy temple. God saved us and he set us apart from the rest of the world around about us. Nothing glorifies him as much as when his temple brings honor and glory to his name. God has created some amazing things, the mountains and the oceans and the rivers and the lakes and and the beauty that we see in in all of those, those things, the sunrises and the sunsets and the moon and the stars. But he tells us nothing brings him more glory than when we do what he's called us to do, when we act like the holy temple, the church that he has called us to be. Dr. John MacArthur says this, Through the blood... The suffering flesh, the cross, and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Aliens become citizens. Strangers become family. Idolaters become the temple of the true God. The hopeless inherit the promises of God. Those without Christ become one in Christ. Those far off are brought near, and the godless are reconciled to God. Therein is the reconciliation of men to God and men to men. What a miracle that God is doing. There is a valid reason to worship and praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's valid reason this morning. You may need to come today, and you may need to be saved. Maybe you've never begun this relationship with him, and so you can't say that you're a part of the temple of God. You can't say that you're a part uh, of this holy nation. You can't say that you're a part of the family of God. Maybe you need to come, and you need to admit that you're a sinner and you're in need of the Savior, and you need to be saved today. If that's you, we invite you to come, and we'd love to share with you because it's so simple. Even a child can understand, but we must admit our sin, turn from it, and turn to him and cry out for salvation. You may need to come this morning, though, and you may need to just praise him. You may need to just come to this altar and just thank him for the work, the marvelous work that he has done in your life. If he's spoken to your heart today, please do as he's calling for you to do. Please be obedient to him. What an amazing thing God is doing in us. What an amazing work. Praise him for it. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and we do thank you for what it means to be a part of this holy temple, what it means to be a part of of your family, of this holy nation, Lord. Thank you for the work of salvation that brought us out of our sinful condition, a condition that we could not save ourselves from, and that because of your sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, that the the way was made for us to be saved. Lord, I know there are some here today, I'm positive of it, they're lost, and they know they are. And for whatever reason, they've kind of been trying to push it to the side and not think about it. But Lord, it's on your heart for them to be saved today. And so stir their heart right now. Cause them to really recognize the sin that is in their life. And that just being good enough isn't enough. That just coming to church enough isn't enough. That having a great mom and dad or grandparents that bring them to church isn't enough. That they need to be saved that they need to give their heart and life to you. And so, Lord, we pray for salvation today. Some of us just need to praise you for the work that you're doing in forming us into exactly who you've called us to be, transforming us out of that mess that you found us in, that we would look like Jesus. Lord, some of us need to join this church family. Lord, help folks to just take those steps that are necessary today and to be obedient to whatever you're calling them to. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with the relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.